Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Yards, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano and Brendan Mortensen here with you, fresh off a couple of back to back double header softball losses. losses. Yeah. It was tough. The first by multiple runs, by at least 10 runs. I think it was by 16 to 1. Something like that. We, we yeah. pushed across a run, and then in the second game, in the nightcap, if you will, of the day night double header. Well, things got off to a fantastic start. They did. They decided to finally listen to the fans and put your boy, Paul Mancano, at the top of the lineup. Yeah. Got things started with a single up the middle, Brendan. You came up and uh, you drilled a single to center as well. Aggressive base runner that I am. I went first to third. And that caused them to throw into the infield and get you kind of caught in a pickle. Yeah. So my thinking was that if I... Take a hard round at first sure. while you're going to third. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll pay more attention to me. And if I can get into a pickle, then maybe you can score it's a cl- as they're not paying attention to you. It happens in the big leagues all the time. Right. It's a classic conundrum. It worked. Classic I, conundrum. And I, I took a hard turn at third. I'm looking at first. First baseman doesn't even glance home. I take off. Because they're too focused on me in the pickle between uh, first and second. So I'm going, I'm going to get out, but it's going to be a productive out. It's going to be an RBI. That's great. And then I get caught in the pickle. The second baseman, it was either the second baseman or the shortstop, throws over to first. The first baseman throws it so far over whoever was covering second's head Mm -hmm. that it goes into the outfield, and I somehow score from second home. Yep, so it's a little league home run in a softball game. And then later up, later on in the game, Brendan, I hit a triple, probably a triple E8 bad throw from the center fielder, Yeah, and I score. So that's a little league home run, too. All I'm saying is when you put the Mass and All Access podcast at the top of your lineup, good things happen. Yeah, the top of the order produced and what in I, that game. What I've learned with softball in my many years here is that you got to force action. You right. Know? You got to make them uh, make a play because odds are they won't. And that was a team that was like the Philadelphia Phillies we were facing. It was, it was a lot of big bashers, a lot of a guy who literally hit the ball onto the next field. Into, into the next infield. Into the next infield. Yeah. yeah. I mean, quite a, a strong and powerful group, but they could not field. No, they could not. And uh, kind of some butchers out there. I was also a butcher as well. I made a couple errors. I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll acknowledge that. Happens. I got to get better. Happens but, uh, to the best of us. I, I'm getting out there. I mean, it doesn't happen to me, but. Early next. But I made some fantastic plays. You I did. Was, I was at shortstop. A ball bounced off. the. It was a pop fly in the infield. <laughs> Third baseman bounced off his glove. I caught it. Fantastic is a strong on word. On the ricochet. And More of a, a quirky play there. I think it's a fantastic play. Sure. It wasn't out. Um, that would have been a web gem, if you will. Maybe. Oh, I think it would have. It would have been. How many times do you see in the big leagues a ball bounce off somebody's glove and the other guy catch it? I don't know if it would have been a, a web gem versus just being like, oh, this is a, this is novel. This is something you don't see every day. It, yeah, that's why it's a web gem. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, some losses, but uh, some quality play for yeah, the two of us. Because we are all about the individual stats. We are not about the not team Not about wins. the team performance. Right. 
Come on. I mean, this is not, baseball's not a team game. Not at all. Football's not a team game. Correct. All right. On the Mass and All Access podcast today, we are going to be talking about the potential log jams that some of the Orioles minor league affiliates are going to be facing in the coming weeks and months because of the sheer amount of talent working its way through the Orioles system. But first, Brendan, on the major league side, John Means made it official that he will undergo Tommy John surgery. He announced that late last week. We figured he was going to be out for a long time when the Orioles placed him on the 60-day IL, and when he was seeking a second opinion, we figured it had to be about Tommy John surgery, and unfortunately, it ends his season, and it puts into question his timetable for return for the 2023 season, even. Yeah, as soon as Brandon Hyde said that he didn't know if John Means would pitch again this year, you kind of knew he was done because that's just not something you say unless you are pretty sure that John Means isn't going to be pitching again for you this season. Obviously, Tommy John is a tough break, and I would have to imagine that we're hoping to see John Means by All-Star break 2023. Yeah, conservatively, I would yeah. say. But I, I think, I mean, it's about the timetable in today's baseball. Today's game is about a year. So we could see him next May, next we late, could. late April. And it's good that he's getting the surgery now. Yes. He, he wasn't waiting until the offseason to, you know, he, he wasn't trying to get injections or, or try to, like, stave Rest. it off. Yeah. Right. He He's getting the surgery now. Yeah. That is a, a path that some players have taken is just try to rest right. for as long as possible, which would equal a similar timeline. Usually it takes, if you're just trying to rest that thing, it's going to take at least a year anyway. Uh, but look, a lot of pitchers come back. I I don't like the idea and the cliche that pitchers come back better from Tommy John. I get it that there are some stats that show that some pitchers after Tommy John have found more success once they get back up, but it's still a blow. It's, it is an intensive surgery for him. It's a difficult surgery to have on your throwing arm. And it requires a lot of rehab, so it's going to take a lot of work to get back. And still, even with the way that they've gotten better with the surgery, there's still no guarantee that he's going to come back and be himself, let alone better. Now, there's a chance he could come back and be better, but I don't think it's some kind of magical fix surgery that is going to make him a better pitcher once he returns. It comes with risk of him not being able to get back to 100%. Right, I mean... The only benefit, it's fixing an issue, yeah. right, is the only benefit. And if he was pitching through any structural damage previously, that's probably where those numbers are coming from, right. where a pitcher was throwing with structural damage in their elbow, was not performing as well right. as they might have been fully healthy. Tommy John, they come back, hopefully with everything structurally sound, and then they're able to pitch better. Right. So maybe from that regard, it's beneficial, but I still wouldn't say that get Getting Tommy John it's is a not, beneficial... No. no. It's it's still bad. Right. Uh, it's still something you want to avoid if possible. But yes. that's a good point, that it looks... Your numbers look better because you were having an issue beforehand. Because hopefully you're healthy at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, that, unfortunately, that ends John Means' season, makes Jordan Lyles the Orioles' de facto ace in this instance, and puts some more pressure on... The entire rotation as a whole, and especially the bullpen. And as we wait for some call-ups from Grayson Rodriguez, an Adley, or not an Adley Rutschman, he's not going to be pitching, but he will be behind the plate for some of these pitchers, a Kyle Bradish, and maybe eventually a D.L. Hall, the Orioles will be in kind of a tough spot uh, for the time being. But the good news is, Brendan, they've gotten some amazing performances from their rotation. 
Yeah. A week ago, we were talking about this is not going to last. There's no way that the Orioles starting staff, which is comprised at the time being of Jordan Lyles and Spencer Watkins and Bruce Zimmerman, is going to be continuing to put up quality starts and good results. And here we are, West Coast trip, not all wins, but very good starting pitching for the most part, which with the exception of Chris Ellis leaving with injury and that kind of putting some burden on the, the bullpen. Other than that, the starting pitching was, by and large, excellent on yeah. this West Coast trip. Right. I mean, Jordan Lyles is sitting at a 352 ERA, Bruce Zimmerman at a 120. Spencer Watkins is at a 277 yeah. ERA. And, you know, especially with a guy like Spencer Watkins, you are not assuming that those ERAs are going to hold. But for the time being, the pitching has been really, really good. Yeah. I mean, Robinson Chirinos, I think, has been a huge help behind the dish, is working with pitchers and things like that. And the bullpen has been great as well. I mean, Jorge Lopez has given up two earned all season with four saves. Dylan Tate has given up three earned runs in nine and a third. Joey Crable has yet to give up a run in eight and a third. Felix Bautista with one earned run in seven and a third. CNL Perez has not given up a run. And Keegan Aiken, two earned runs in 11 and two thirds innings. All of baseball is experiencing a dip offensively. So let's take that in context and the Orioles offense especially. However, great to see from all of those guys. And I love that you brought up Robinson Chirinos. Stephen Lesky on MassinSports.com had a piece this morning where he mentioned the kind of impact that Robinson Chirinos has had on this pitching staff. And Brandon Hyde is taking note as a former catcher himself. This is, you see why the Orioles wanted to sign somebody like Chirinos to a deal where you know that he's going to be with you all season, whether it's as a starter for the first couple months of the season or as a basic, a backup to Adley Rutschman, a veteran catcher to spell Adley Rutschman once Adley comes up because not just what he brings in terms of calling a game and veteran experience there, but also the veteran leadership in the clubhouse. The way he talks about the couple interviews over the weekend with him on Masson. Uh, on O's extra pregame, the way he talks about his teammates and the way he gets excited about these young guys is good to see. And that doesn't happen all the time from a 37-year-old talking about a very young and inexperienced pitching staff. You can understand when there's some frustration. But I think Jorge Lopez in one of those games when he closed the door, you could see Chirinos fired up and sprints out to the mound to celebrate with Lopez. That doesn't happen all the time. And for him to be still youthful, invigorating, and to be ready to help teach this young pitching staff, you can see why the Orioles targeted a guy like Chirinos. Yeah, he's got a really good feel for the game, and it seems like any time a younger pitcher has been going through it on the mound and hitting a bit of a rough patch, Chirinos is out there. Yeah. He knows when to take a mound visit, how to talk to these younger pitchers, and you mentioned guys like Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, Kyle Bradish. There's probably not a better catcher to have than somebody like Chirinos, who is an older veteran presence who knows how to work with pitchers really well. And you mentioned Adley Rutschman. That's a great mentor. Yeah. Because Adley Rutschman seems like he already has a great grasp of how to work with pitchers. We've seen it throughout the minor leagues. But Chirinos is somebody who can teach him how to do it at the big league level. I'm glad you brought up Adley Rutschman. Look at that transition. We're going to Aberdeen. Tonight, to talk to Adley Rutschman and to see him back in action for the first time since uh, he suffered a strain at the beginning of spring training, put him out of action at the time. The word was it was going to be two to three weeks, and unfortunately, it's been a lot longer than that. So the hope is that he starts at high single A Aberdeen, goes up to Bowie, 
up to Norfolk, and then it's a short ride to Baltimore after that. No idea how long the Orioles want to give him for a rehab assignment, but I could see two weeks, optimistically, he's up in Baltimore. Yeah, I think two, three weeks is probably the most realistic timetable. Can't imagine he spends more than a series in Aberdeen and then probably won't spend much more than a series in Bowie either. I think maybe we see him for two series in Norfolk. Right. And we'll also be talking to D.L. Hall, who is continuing his progression. He was down in Sarasota initially after he's kind of working his way back from, remember, he had the only 30-some innings in 2021. So he's got a a ways to go, but good to see he's going to be in Aberdeen and then up to Bowie and probably Norfolk at some point soon. Um, It does mean for the Adley Rushman return that Anthony Benboom's days in Baltimore are probably numbered. He's not hitting great. He's hitting about 150. In the minor leagues below him in Norfolk, Jacob Nottingham is hitting the cover off the ball. Granted, small sample size, but you have Jacob Nottingham right below him and Brett Cumberland, but both those guys are going to be superseded by Adley. Right. The only thing working against Nottingham is that he's a right-handed hitter, and with Chirinos, you were looking to platoon a lefty with him. And Nottingham just doesn't give you that versatility, but he is also younger than Ben Boom and, like you said, is playing very well at AAA. Let's talk about some of the log jams that we teased earlier because the Orioles are facing a good problem to have. Too much young talent in the system. We thought before the season, how are they going to fit all these guys into their minor league affiliates? They only have the four affiliates that are other than, you know, the Florida Complex League and the Dominican Summer League, they have very few places to put these guys. And as talent shines, you have to promote it. You have to reward that talent with promotions. The problem is rosters can only hold so many guys. And more importantly, if you want to continue to develop guys, you have to give them playing time. You don't want to bury them on any minor league affiliate roster. Let's start at the bottom and kind of work our way up because I think that's the best way to find spots for these guys. Start looking at the lower levels and say, who deserves a promotion there and who can they bump up as they continue to go up? Yeah, I think when you look at Aberdeen, the first name that jumps out is Cesar Prieto. Yeah. He was just named player of the week. I think his OPS was over like 1.6 for the week. He has an OPS over one I think he homed on the season so far. Games. Yeah, and Cesar Prieto came in And the book on him was that he was going to be a very good average hitter. And we didn't really hear a very good hitter for average, average average hitter for average. And we didn't really hear about the power all that much with Cesar Prieto. And he's been fantastic so far. And I think promoting Prieto kind of solves a problem and creates a new one. It solves a problem where you want Cesar Prieto to be getting reps at second base, and right now he's at Aberdeen with Connor Norby, who is getting a lot of reps defensively at second. He's been taking a little bit of practice at shortstop, but I don't think that's the long-term plan for Connor Norby. Cesar Prieto, you want to be getting reps defensively at second, but you can't really move him up to Bowie right now because you have three shortstops who are also playing second or third. Yeah. so A lot of middle infield depth. All of this comes with the caveat that these Teams have not played a whole lot of games. These players have not played a whole lot of games. We're only three seasons, three weeks into the season, excuse me. Prieto's only played 15 games, but he's hitting 321. And like you said, you have Connor Norby, you have Cesar Prieto. Both of these guys, the Orioles, have quite a lot invested in. Both of these guys are top 15 prospects in their system. 
And Prieto's a little bit older than some of the guys that he's with in high single-A Aberdeen because he was an older signing in the 2022 January signing period. Connor Norby, Colton Kowser, those guys are 21-22. Prieto's 23. He's going to be 23 in like three weeks. Yeah, so I think that he gets kind of preference there in terms of age, and it appears that there was just no adjustment period for him whatsoever coming from the hitting that he faced at the lower levels to high single-A Aberdeen jumped right in. And I think the Orioles conservatively put him there because I think they expect him to be in buoy for a portion of the season and maybe work his way to Norfolk by the end of the year. Yeah, it's tough to discern what the talent level comparison is yeah. from what he was playing against in Cuba to a minor league system. My guess is that it would be somewhere around the double A, triple A level of the competition, but it's it's really hard to say yeah. what kind of competition he was playing against, but I think it's pretty clear that whatever competition he was playing against was probably better than single-A Aberdeen. Right. So he deserves a promotion so far. Again, 15 yes. games, but I think the Orioles have seen enough from him that they believe he can move up quickly. And remember back in spring training, Michael Elias was saying, we kind of expect him to be a double-A player at this point. So they conservatively sent him to high single-A Aberdeen. He'll get a promotion soon, we expect. John Rhodes has also been hitting very well. The outfielder who's 21, Remember, he was part of that 2021 draft class. He's hitting 356 with an OPS over one. Again, only 12 games, but a very advanced hitter coming out of college. And then you have Colin Burns, 22-year-old shortstop, another member of that 2021 draft class who's hitting 333 with an 831 OPS in 11 games. So you have second baseman Cesar Prieto, you have an outfielder in John Rhodes, and you have a shortstop in Colin Burns. All three, you could make the case that they deserve a promotion to double-A buoy right now. Yeah, one more guy I want to point out. T.T. Bowens, 23 years old, first baseman, OPS over 900. I think he's another one that you could throw in there as potentially deserving a promotion. So let's say, maybe not immediately, because only 11, 15 games here, but let's say soon, if they continue this production, you promote a Cesar Prieto, you promote a John John Rhodes, excuse me, maybe a Colin Burns or a T.T. Bowens. Now you're going to get an incredibly loaded and perhaps too overstuffed Bowie Bay Sox roster. You look at Bowie, you have the infield rotation of Jordan Westbrook, Gunnar Henderson, and Joey Ortiz. Three guys that Kyle Moore is not having a difficult time, but he's got to do some math in his head to make sure every one of those guys gets the proper reps at third base, shortstop, and second base it's going to be awfully difficult to add another infielder to that three-man infield rotation. Right, and again, it is not a bad problem to have, but the priority for Joey Ortiz, Gunnar Henderson, and Jordan Westberg is to develop them as much as you possibly can at shortstop because shortstop is the highest value position moving forward. And if any of those guys pan out to be solid defensive shortstops, that's going to provide a lot more value than if they are a solid defensive third baseman. Yeah. And we've seen Joey Ortiz has an elite glove. We keep waiting for Gunnar Henderson to be too big and grow out of shortstop, and he just refuses to do it, and he's still playing a good shortstop right now. And Jordan Westberg is just kind of solid from everything that we've heard. He's not an elite defensive shortstop, but he's just solid fundamentally and it seems like he's going to stick there for a bit but like you mentioned if you promote Cesar Prieto now all of a sudden you want to get Prieto reps at second base but 
hold on, Jordan <laughs> Westberg and Joey Ortiz are getting reps at second as well because when they're not playing shortstop, you have to move them somewhere. And now you've added another middle infielder into the mix in Prieto. So where does everybody go? So you can look, you can try to follow the dominoes here and say, all right, let's say you add Cesar Prieto, second baseman to this roster. Is there somebody from Bowie that you can promote to Norfolk so that you can clear a roster spot there? And I would make the case for Jordan Westbrook. Does everything well. He's one of the most advanced players in the Orioles minor league system, regardless of his level. That's how he was when he was coming out of Mississippi State. There's not a single tool that is rated below 50. Everything's a 50-55, and he's showing it immediately. He's hitting only 250, but he's got a 929 OPS. And then the other infielders are doing pretty well as well. Gunnar Henderson, 261 average with an 886 OPS. Both those guys, you could make a case for, again, not immediately, because those guys only joined Bowie late in the 2021 season, so they really have not played a whole lot of games at the AA level, but awfully, it's coming up quick that these guys are reaching a, a saturation point where they've experienced everything that they need to at the AA level, and they need a call up to the AAA level. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it's early, but Kyle Moore seems to be doing a fantastic job at AA Bowie. E even... Some of the smaller names, like Adam Hall, not a small name. He's still a top 30 prospect, but he was really struggling last year. Adam Hall's hitting 340, and he's somebody who could have been lost in the Rule 5 draft. So yep. Adam Hall, really good to have. Drew Rahm, a name we've talked about a lot. He's got an ERA of three through three starts. You mentioned Gunnar Henderson. Hudson Haskin yeah. has been playing unbelievably well to start the year. So the Bowie hitters especially have really been tearing the cover off the ball. Haskin is currently mired in a 1-for-14 slump after he got hit on the hand by a pitch. But he's still hitting 384 with a 1.201 OPS. Somebody that really got lost in the shuffle. Again, a top 30 prospect, but how many times did we hear the name Hudson Haskin mentioned since he got drafted in 2020? Not a whole lot. Heston no. Kerstad and Jordan Westberg kind of dominated that draft class. And even Kobe Mayo was somebody that got discussed more than Hudson Haskin. And he wasn't awesome in 2021, but he's making good in his potential now. And I'm excited to see what Adam Hall can continue to do as a potentially very versatile piece. Infield, outfield, he added a ton of strength and weight in the offseason. He seemed much more confident when we saw him like a different player. And now Kyle Moore and that coaching staff is getting the most out of him. This is what we expected from the Bay Sox. They have a ton of incredible hitters. The pitching may be a little bit less so, even though they have Drew Rahm. But the hitters are making good on all of their potential at this point. They are. And with Hudson Haskin, I don't think you're in a rush to call him up yet. He's still just 23 years old. You mentioned he was in a little bit of a slump. The numbers are inflated slightly by the one absolutely massive game that he had. Not that he's not playing really well otherwise, but when you have an amazing game like that yeah, early on in the season size. with a small sample size, your numbers are going to be inflated a little bit. So I think I'm going to be a little bit patient with Hudson Haskin in terms of calling him up immediately. Same thing with Gunnar Henderson. Yes. He's young. He's amazing. Like Gunnar Henderson with an 886 OPS at double A buoy playing against competition that is way older than him. I'm not going to rush him, but he is very much forcing an accelerated path through the minor leagues because he's 20 years old and he is just continuing to play this well. 
I think Jordan Westberg is the one that I call up out of this group. I agree. I think he is probably the most... I mean, he, he has the potential to make his Major League debut this year. He wants to. He very much wants to. I think he is the most Major League ready out of the group that we have talked about. I think he's the most Major League ready out of that group of Westberg, Henderson, Joey Ortiz. He's just so fundamentally sound and a good overall baseball player in all facets of the game that I think moving him up to AAA Norfolk not only provides Cesar Prieto a little bit more opportunity to play second base if that's the blueprint that we're going with so far, but allows Westberg to get one step closer to the majors where I think he is pretty close development-wise. So going from Aberdeen to Bowie, we talked about Prieto, John Rhodes, T.T. Bowens, Colin Burns, all pushing. Now going from Bowie to Norfolk, candidates to move up. Jordan Westberg, I think, I agree, he's he's 1A. He is the top of the list. 1B for me would probably be Hudson Haskin, although I understand that you're a little bit more patient with him. Then Gunnar Henderson, who you probably don't want to rush. So you got three guys there that you could maybe want to move up. I'd throw Drew Rahm into that conversation Drew Rahm, as sure. well. Yeah, uh, Drew Rahm, even though you know he came out of high school, he's advanced very quickly. So you got now talent moving upwards. Now you're entering the phase where you might have a log jam in Norfolk. And that's the area that things are going to get really interesting because already in Norfolk, you have several standout performers. You do. You have Tyler Nevin, who is hitting the cover off the ball. Uh, Tyler Nevin so far is hitting 382 with a 1.026 OPS. He looks very much like the advanced hitter that the Orioles were hoping he would be. Yeah, he struck out just eight times. <laughs> That's excellent. I yeah. mean, there's a reason he came up and made his Major League debut last year, that he was the first call to help in a pinch when Trey Mancini got hurt. There were some questions about whether he would make the opening day roster, but there just was not room for him there. Other than Nevin, Ryland Bannon is looking very good, which is a godsend considering his counterpart. We always lump these two together, but Yusniel Diaz, they both came over in the Manny Machado trade. They both are top 30 prospects at one point when they were initially brought up. They both were added to the 40-man roster at the same time. Diaz is hurt. Bannon's playing very well. And then Kyle Stowers is playing very well as well. So now three guys there. Are there any other guys that you would consider in deserving of a promotion soon to Baltimore? Taron Vavra is playing really well, but he is continuously getting hit with the injury bug. So Taron Vavra is going to take some more time, but he's got an OPS over 850. Robert Newstrom has not been hitting for as much power as we thought he might. He's got a 738 OPS with more walks than strikeouts, though. So Robert Newstrom, somebody that we usually think of as just trying to hit dingers, he has been showing a really advanced approach at the plate, which I think helps him a lot looking at his major league outlook. And then obviously the pitchers have been really good as well. Kyle Bradish has a 120 ERA. Kevin Smith, who we haven't talked about all that much, he's got a 123 ERA. Recently cleared waivers, Kevin Smith. Right. And Grayson Rodriguez with a 126 ERA. So it really... Nice to see from Norfolk as well, because last season, it kind of seemed like prospects were going to Norfolk and just kind of falling off a little bit. Whereas this year, there's been an influx of talent. Buck Britton, I think, has been a big help at that level. It seems like AAA Norfolk has really turned a corner. 
you mention Richie Martin in the in there as well? I didn't, but Richie Martin playing very well as well has a completely different swing. When I went down to watch AAA Norfolk last week, Flex. Richie Martin has a completely different swing, and it looks a lot better. And he's 28 years old at this point, 27. Yeah. So he is up there and probably will be one of the first calls yes. should an injury arise. And every prospect that I talked to when you asked them what other player impressed them, the answer was pretty consistently Richie Martin right. because of his work ethic, because of what he's like in the clubhouse, mentoring those guys. Richie Martin just seems like kind of a tweener, which is an issue, I think, at AAA Norfolk right now where it seems like there are a lot of guys who are a little too good to be at AAA, but once they've gotten to the majors, haven't really performed in the way that you hope they would. 4A players, right. if you will, that are in between. And the question for the Orioles is, which of the guys of that group that we just mentioned are true 4A players or are big leaguers? And the only way to find that out, Brandon, is to call them up. How can the Orioles possibly fit these guys? Because you already have a little bit of a logjam in Norfolk. Even before we get into adding Jordan Westberg, adding Gunnar Henderson potentially down the line, adding a Drew Rahm, adding eventually a Joey Ortiz, the tides already are pretty loaded in outfield. In the outfield. Right now, Eusenio Diaz is hurt, but he should be playing pretty much every day once he comes back. Uh, you have Kyle Stowers, who... He should be playing every day in one of the corner outfield spots. You have Tyler Nevin. He should be playing every day if he gets an opportunity. Robert Newstrom, Johnny Reiser. That's a loaded outfield as is. I know Tyler Nevin can play third as well, but they're loaded there. You have Richie Martin at shortstop. You have Jemai Jones, who has not so far earned a call up to, to Baltimore. He's only hitting 224 after he went 0 for 5 on Sunday. He's got a 702 OPS. Need for him to start ticking up but he's got to play defensively because that's really where he needs help so he needs everyday you know reps at second base but he has been forced to dh a good amount of the time because rylan bannon is getting a lot of reps at second right so rylan bannon can play second he can play third they are loaded right now in terms of talent and dfaing dj stewart and assuming he doesn't come back to the organization that helps a little bit that alleviates that burden but brendan you have all these guys. Who would be your first kind of call up to Baltimore if you were Mike Elias and you were trying to give one of these guys an opportunity? I think it's got to be Tyler Nevin. I mean, that's somebody who's already made their major league debut. And he, what else? Obviously, it is a short sample size. But it's the question of what else does Tyler Nevin need to show you in order for him to get a call up to the majors? Because the OPS is over one. He's hitting 382. He struck out just eight times, like we mentioned. And he's been playing a lot of third base, which is a position that the Orioles have really not been getting much production out of, especially from some of their bench guys. Yes. I mean, Ramon Arias, I think we can agree at this point, given what we've seen from him defensively at third, Ramon Arias is not a third baseman. He's better suited for second or even shortstop. Right, because you were trying to force him over there because you had a need, Yeah, and I think Ramon Arias is best suited for you as a second baseman who can play an occasional shortstop if Jorge Mateo needs an off day. Yeah. So Tyler Nevin, having played a good amount of third base at AAA Norfolk, he's not an elite defensive third baseman, but he's 
probably going to hit better than the guys that you've had over there right now. The question is, are the Orioles playing him more at third because that's what they need for Norfolk? Because they have so many outfielders? Or is it because that's where they view him long term? I think probably, if I had to guess, it's where they need him short term in Baltimore. That's my guess. So do you think it's best, they're they're saying, how can he do it third? Because that's where we want to stick him when we call him up. Not, yes. we want to give all these guys an opportunity in the outfield at Norfolk. Therefore, we have to bump Nevin to third. Well, look, Tyler Nevin is either a first baseman, a third baseman, or an okay corner outfielder, more than likely. You have plenty of good corner outfielders. I think if you're going to make a call to a corner outfielder at this point from AAA Norfolk to Baltimore... You either call up Kyle Stowers or Robert Newstrom, who have both been playing well and are exclusively defensive corner outfielders, probably better defensive corner outfielders than Tyler Nevin is right now. Stowers did get a game in center last night, but I think that's because of need right? at that point. Yeah, I think Stowers is going to be more than likely your right Sunday. fielder. Newstrom can play either right or left field. I think if you're the Orioles, you're looking at Tyler Nevin as a third base option yeah. at this point, both because he can do it and that's what you probably need him to do if you're calling him up to the major league level because he's not going to be a fourth outfielder over Ryan McKenna. So I think Nevin's ability to play third is a huge X factor here. He's played eight games at third, which is more than any position other than third defensively in Norfolk. And I think, I agree with you, I think they're looking at him as a third baseman right now because that's going to have to be the role he's going to play. Right. And it's much easier to adjust to... uh corner outfield once you get up to the big leagues than it is third base where you you haven't gotten a whole lot of reps I agree I think he's probably going to be an early call Kelvin Gutierrez is not hitting well whatsoever he's hitting under 100 he's two hits in his in 22 at bats neither is Chris Owings neither is Chris Owings and Gutierrez is younger than Owings Owings was an offseason addition I still think Gutierrez can't play short I think Owings has a little bit more of a foothold on the roster so I think Gutierrez I think could it's, be, I don't think it's by much. I don't think it's by much, but I, I think both of those guys are in danger I of, of having their roster spot lost. The other factor to consider here is starting May 2nd, teams are going from 28-man rosters to 26. Now, the Orioles are probably going to cut two pitchers, but those are two more spots on the roster that the Orioles cannot fit a prospect into. So they're going to have to clear room at the big league level. If Calvin Gutierrez continues to hit poorly, if Chris Owings continues to hit poorly, I think Tyler Nevin takes one of those spots. I agree. And the Nevin is kind of having a season that McKenna had last year, and the question is where he's just clearly too good for AAA. So the, you have to give him an opportunity in the big leagues, and you got to give him a chance whether he struggles or not. The next call for me, Brendan, it's got to be Ryland Bannon. I agree. Can play second, can play third, Rugnet Odor, also not hitting well. And again, everybody in the big leagues is not hitting well. I get that. But Rugnet Odor has not been bringing really anything to the table so far offensively. And he's not been spectacular defensively at second base. To me, that opens up a spot where Rylan Bannon, who is 26 years old, you got to give him an opportunity at some point. He has clearly reached a point where he is adjusted to AAA play. And you got to see what you have in him in Baltimore. So Bannon, for me, again, if he doesn't cut it, if he's not a big league player, that's fine. But at least you gave it a shot. And it's better to see somebody who has potential long-term than to see somebody who you know is a stopgap in a Rugnet Odor or a Calvin Gutierrez. Right, and the thing with Nevin and Bannon, 
they've been at AAA for a while. Yeah. I mean, Ryland Bannon, he is playing well enough where he has a large enough sample size of AAA where if it seems like he's figured things out, he probably probably has. has. Yeah. This is not a fluke thing, and this is not a he just got called up to the level and is hot, uh, uh, out to a hot start. Remember, he's, he seems like he's ready. He got called up in 2019 to AAA Norfolk. Yeah. So he had he had that experience. Obviously, 2020 was lost, but then he got hurt, but he still played a, a decent amount of games in AAA, 70, 80 games in AAA in 2021. Yeah, he's ready. And yeah. same with Nevin. And again, if they're not big league players... That's okay, but you got to give him a shot sooner or later. So, Paul, we have now reached the point in this discussion where the dominoes have fallen to the top. To the top. Where one of the dominoes needs to fall off the edge. And we've talked about who gets promoted from Aberdeen to Bowie, Bowie to Norfolk, Norfolk to the majors. There's got to be room at the majors. Yes. So who leaves the majors? So in my mind, again... I don't think these moves need to be hap- need to happen immediately tomorrow, Thursday. I think that these are moves where if these trends continue, they're going to come. I think Kelvin Gutierrez and Rugnet Odor are going to be the first ones to leave the infield because neither of them is hitting well. That opens up a spot at second and third. To replace them, I would bring up Rylan Bannon as a guy who can play either one of those positions. Honestly, I'd bring bring up Richie Martin as a last gasp. Let's see what you got in him. Because if he's not cutting it, you can cut bait with him. But he's 27, 28. You need to give him one last opportunity. So you bring up Richie Martin as a second base shortstop. He can play behind Jorge Mateo at shortstop. You can put Urias at second base. And then you call up Tyler Nevin right as soon as an opportunity presents itself. So that could be if Kelvin Gutierrez or Rugnetador leave the roster and bring him up as a third baseman, or Brandon. Anthony Santander has been walking a ton. He's been the Orioles' most productive offensive player just sheerly because of his OPS. Anthony Santander remains a trade piece in my mind. I agree. And I look at that... The White Sox, a team that has made a lot of sense for Santander in years past. We've been talking about a Santander to White Sox trade for years. Just from our perspective, we think these two teams have a match. The White Sox have a ton of holes. A lot of teams are going through a lot of injuries. This could be the time where you open up a spot in the corner outfield by moving Santander. I agree. And I think if you are ready to call up Kyle Stowers, you want to get him regular ABs. But honestly, right now, Austin Hayes is not playing fantastic baseball either. So maybe Kyle Stowers gets some starts there, especially when Austin Hayes is facing a right-handed pitcher with the left-handed Stowers or the left-handed Robert Newstrom. That sounds like a decent platoon if you want to go that route as well. But I don't want to resort to having to platoon Kyle Stowers. If I, th- I think if you're calling him up, you want to start him as consistently as possible. And I don't think you want to even platoon Austin Hayes because he's got to learn to hit righties. He At does. some point, if he wants to be more than a fourth outfielder on this team, he's got to learn to hit righties. And I think you want to give him opportunities to do that. And if he continues to struggle, then maybe you talk about a platoon situation. But at this point, I think you got to you got to favor Austin Hayes' development over winning ball games. I agree. I just think if you are looking to get a Kyle Stowers or Robert Newstrom at bats somewhere, right. it's probably in place of Austin Hayes against right-handed pitching. Right. So 
to me, I'm removing Odor and Gutierrez. I'm adding Bannon and Martin and Nevin as soon as an opportunity arrives, trade or DFA. And then in my mind, I'm moving from Bowie to Norfolk. Hudson Haskin and Jordan Westberg. So that's an infielder and an outfielder to replace Bannon, to replace Martin, to replace Nevin. And then Aberdeen to Bowie, Cesar Prieto and John Rhodes. Okay. How about so, you? I'm going to go in, in reverse order. So I'm going to go Aberdeen to Bowie. Okay. I have... Moving your way up. Cesar Prieto and T.T. Bowens. Okay. From Bowie to Norfolk, I have Jordan Westberg and Drew Rahm. Okay. From Norfolk to Baltimore, I've got a lot. <laughs> I've got Tyler Nevin, mm-hmm. Rylan Bannon, Richie Martin, and Kyle Bradish. How do you f- make room for these guys? I'm so glad you asked, Paul. Yeah. Because Rugnet Odor... Chris Owings, Kelvin Gutierrez, and Chris Ellis. Yeah. Well, Ellis, unfortunately, most likely going to be missing some time with injury. We'll see. Out the door. Ellis, well, we don't know the extent of his injury, but that was an unfortunate injury. He just didn't look like himself. And it's a shame because he, he again, has shown flashes at least of being a good stopgap. Right. But now that you have two very wide open spots in that rotation with Means and Ellis being out, yeah, Bradish is... He's knocking on the door quite loudly. I think it's Kyle Bradish time, and Drew Rahm takes his spot at Norfolk. So when you look at the Orioles' infield, I would have Mancini and Mountcastle still manning first base. Mm-hmm. At second, a combination of Ramon Arias and Ryland Bannon. At shortstop, it's Jorge Mateo and an occasional Ramon Arias, an occasional Richie Martin. Okay. And then at third, it's Tyler Nevin and some Richie Martin. Okay. You're giving Nevin pretty much a chance to take third. Yeah, and I think Richie Martin has a chance to become a good utility player. And I think you've seen enough from Chris Owings where you'd rather give Richie Martin that role. So then what does your outfield in Baltimore look like? I think the outfield kind of stands pat for right now because Kyle Stowers, I think we need to see a little bit more at AAA Norfolk from him. Robert Newstrom, same thing. I don't think Robert Newstrom is banging down the door at this point, at least not to the extent where you would play either of them over Ryan McKenna, who I know I probably like more than fans do, considering McKenna is not hitting great. He's just so good defensively, and he's so valuable, and he's way too good to be at AAA. Yeah. That doesn't work. We saw it last year. He mashes AAA, and then he comes up to the majors and has struggled a little bit, but you're not going to send him back down to AAA. And he's too valuable on your roster currently your 26 man roster as it stands because, I think he is way too valuable because of his defense because of his ability to pinch run and steal bases I think like I agree with you just give him another an extended opportunity again if he doesn't make the most of it then you can talk about it but you, you haven't seen enough from him just yet I think if there's an injury in the outfield then maybe Kyle Stowers gets the call or maybe Robert Newstrom gets the call but I don't want to promote either of those guys as a fifth outfielder, certainly. And I don't really want to promote them if they aren't getting consistent at-bats because you're not going to bench Austin Hayes. Right. And you're certainly not going to bench Anthony Santander the way he's playing right now. Injuries will definitely create holes at some point, And no team is going to stay perfect. The Orioles, for the most part, have been healthy outside of the starting pitching. The starting pitching has taken a big hit. But the lineup, for the most part, has stayed intact. The other question is... How long are the Orioles going to stay committed to Rugnet Odor, a guy that they signed to a major league deal in the offseason? Gave him a million dollars. Is he going to be 
sticking around simply because of that contract? Or are they willing to cut bait with him? Well, look, there's enough guys playing very, very well at AAA Norfolk where I think that timetable is a lot shorter than we initially thought. Yeah. Interesting question. At least it should be. We do want to hear what you have to say as well. Please comment. Please share your thoughts on all of this. We've got some... uh, some interesting debates to be had as the season continues, and we'll see if these trends continue. Again, some guys might fall off, some guys might get hurt. That could change the equation. But for the meantime, the Orioles are facing a good problem to have, which is a ton of talent working its way up through the system. At Brendan Morty is his Twitter handle. I am at Paul Mancano. You can subscribe, like, rate, give us five stars on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And, of course, watch every week on YouTube and on Facebook. We will be in Aberdeen today. So if you are going to see Adley Rutschman, stop by, say hi. We're the ones wearing the Orioles stuff. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to Bobby Blanco for producing this podcast. And we will catch you next time.